You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome to the Monday after Super Wild Card Weekend. Technically, the Super Wild Card Weekend rolls along. This is the SB Nation NFL Show. A reminder before we get started that this show is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. As noted, today is Super Wild Card Weekend Monday. Um, some people have the day off. Some people have a holiday. It is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, uh, remembering Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, life today and always. Um, so if you're off, if you're watching us live on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel, Facebook page, or Twitter page, welcome. If you're listening to us, uh, make sure you do subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can search for the SB Nation NFL show. Subscribe, leave a rating, write a review. We love to talk about the NFL. We have fewer games to talk about than normal. Uh, but we have games nonetheless to get to, as well as one to preview. I say us, the fantastic Rachelle Prevet behind the glass on the ones and twos. I am RJ Ochoa, and with me, as always, the dashing Pete Sweeney from SB Nation's Arrowhead Pride. Had the week off, Pete did, but I saw he was working the local news circuit once again this bright and early Monday morning. Yeah, yeah. We we still had some shows going on in, in Kansas City this week, even though there's no game. The, the shows keep going on, so... Uh, we did a show called Countdown the Kickoff, even though it was a countdown, no kickoff here in KC. I, I have to throw it back to you. I, I mean, we have five games that have been played. They're in the books, but it, it's game day for you. How are you feeling today? I um, want to vomit. Uh, I got to be <laughs> I got to be honest. Uh, it is a very stressful day for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I said on the look ahead on Friday here on the NFL show that I thought there were two teams who showed up to the playoffs this year that had kind of been waiting for this moment for a year. Not to say that other teams aren't interested, but I felt like the Buffalo Bills had been looking to get back here, obviously, uh, since the the coin toss that has been discussed many different times. And the Dallas Cowboys, after getting embarrassed uh, in their own house, getting run over because they were too soft, uh, they've been aching for an opportunity uh, to kind of prove that they're not who they were a year ago. And tonight they will have it. We will touch on that game and preview it, obviously. And, of course, we have you covered at Blog and the Boys. Dot com. Pete, if the Cowboys win, they will be the third team from the NFC East to punch their ticket to the appropriately named divisional round, if that does wind up being the case. One of the teams who punched their ticket on Sunday afternoon, we will discuss all five games that happened across the weekend, but the New York great once again at football Giants came away with a 31 to 24 win over the fraudulent Minnesota Vikings, who Pete and I both believed in. So to talk about <laughs> the G-Men, we have brought in the G-Man. Ed Valentine from SB Nation's Big Blue View joins us now. Ed, congratulations. You believed. You never doubted. Ed, I told you you might remember back on the NFC's mixtape. I thought the Giants could win the division. I saw mm. this coming, too. So you and me were both happy today. You're, you're a smart man, RJ. You're a smart man. <laughs> You're a smart man, but you root for the wrong team, but you're still a smart man. But, you know, you guys were talking about days off, and 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 today is not a day off for the New York Giants for the first time in 11 years. That's wild. <laughs> first time in 11 years that they have won a playoff game. That's right. Uh, New York Giants win a playoff game in the wild card round, as mentioned. The last playoff game they won literally was Super Bowl 46 in Indianapolis against the New England Patriots. Of course, you covered it very well, Ed. Uh, the Eagles will now meet the Philadelphia, I'm sorry, the Giants will now meet the Philadelphia Eagles in the division around. A lot of interesting energy around this game. Obviously, you've got the fact that the Giants kind of laid down and opened the door for the Eagles to, to get the first round by. Uh, these teams met in the postseason and was it 2006, Ed? Am I remembering correctly mm -hmm. in Philadelphia? Mm -hmm. So uh, it has happened in, in somewhat recent memory. But, but tell us what happened on Sunday in Minnesota, because this was a flawless performance from all of the superstars associated with the Giants. Well, the biggest thing that happened is that 
Daniel Jones announced to mm. the world that Daniel Jones is a franchise quarterback. And and RJ, RJ, I have to I I have to put it out there, RJ. Uh, don't you, do it. Don't you, be no, the person. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. You He's have to, you it. have you Here you have comes. to ask me. You have to ask me if I would trade Daniel Jones for Dak Prescott. I see. I thought you were going to go. Uh, Daniel Jones no. has as many playoff wins as Dak Prescott. That's I'll what ask I you, no, no, no. Well, I'll ask you, Ed. Ed, would you trade Daniel Jones for Dak Prescott? Not a chance in hell. <laughs> Not a chance in hell. Not even if Dallas threw in a couple of first round picks. <laughs> wow. No chance. You cannot make an argument right now. I will give Jalen Hurts his props. Okay. Uh, Jalen Hurts has had an MVP caliber season. But you cannot make an argument right now that Dak Prescott has had a better year than Daniel Jones. And you cannot make an argument right now that Daniel Jones is not the number two quarterback when it comes, if you wanted to rate NFC East teams. So, no, no chance. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck with Dak. He's a good player. Good luck with that. But I'm but really I'm happy keeping for the you. guy that we have. I'm, I'm really I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I look you know, at the game. I, I, oh, go, go ahead, ahead Pete. No, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I I promised Rachel before before the show started that 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 I would that I would goad you into that one, RJ. Okay. So I I couldn't let it go. <laughs> okay, so you have this game here, and I think there have been a lot of questions surrounding Daniel Jones and and Saquon Barkley heading into the offseason. And you see this performance: Daniel Jones, the seventeen carries for seventy eight yards. 300 yards and the two touchdowns, they upset the Minnesota Vikings. You also had Saquon, who had nine carries for 53. That's 5.9 yards per attempt. Does this, in a way, take any of the decision-making that may have happened out of the hands of the Giants? They basically have to find a way to, to keep both of these guys, yeah? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's that's 100% true. And, and I think we knew that a few weeks ago. But the, the problem and it's a good problem to have, is what's it going to cost? Because the bag of money that Daniel Jones is going to, to walk away with this offseason keeps getting heavier. Joel Corey of uh, CBS Sports, cap analyst, former sports agent, a few weeks ago he put out a column saying he thought that, that three years, $70 million, roughly $23 million a year would get it done for Daniel Jones. I talked to him on Friday. He said that's north of 30 million right now. And kiddingly, all, well, all kidding aside, Dak Prescott makes $40 million a year. If the Cowboys lose tonight, Daniel Jones' agent can, can probably go to the Giants and say, Dak Prescott makes $40 million a year. That's where we start. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the argument that they tried to make is Dak Prescott makes 40 million and, and Daniel Jones had a better year and that's where we start. So, and it's just, it's amazing to me that we're at that number. RJ, I'm going to go to you in a second. I just think it, what's fascinating right now about any quarterback, let alone the, the Dak, the Dak comparison there. And I know that there's always a lot of comparisons within the, the NFC East man, Cleveland gave Deshaun Watson all this guaranteed money. And I, I think you're seeing that impact Lamar and how he's feeling in Baltimore. And I think any quarterback that now is up for a contract, why wouldn't they be asking for all guaranteed uh, an all guaranteed contract? I just think just in general, and RJ, I'll go back, go to you after this. I just think just in general, how the next quarterback contracts happen after Deshaun was able to get all that money is going to be an interesting point to watch here. Yeah. I mean, Ed, just quickly, I know you're, you know, we're having fun here and talking about Dak. I mean, Dak is, is so far in the rearview mirror when it comes to quarterback contracts. I mean, um, yeah. I, I, like right now, like if you're Daniel Jones's agent, like who cares about 40 million? I'm, and I'm not, you know, trying to be silly here, but Aaron Rodgers is making over 50 million. Russell Wilson's mm -hmm. making 49 million. Kyler Murray's at 46.1. Deshaun, who Pete mentioned, is at 46. Mahomes at 45. Josh Allen is at 43. Daniel Jones was a much better playoff quarterback on Sunday than Josh Allen was. And I'm not trying to, you know, be ridiculous or anything, He's but Josh Allen up. had a really rough game. Um, the Bills won, and ultimately that's what matters most. But the Giants won, and that's you know this this season. Ed, I know every Giants fan 
um, for the last decade has said like, okay, I'll, I've seen this before. Like that's what 2011 was, right? You know, maybe not a great team, but you get in, you get hot, quarterback gets hot, you go all the way. This this doesn't necessarily remind me as much of the Eli Super Bowls as much as it does what we're experiencing the 10-year anniversary of. This is Joe Flacco, right? This is Joe Flacco entering the playoffs, and everybody said, well, you can't pay him whatever, and he cashed in. And he was still kind of good after that. People do overlook that. But, I, I, I mean, the Daniel Jones thing is going to you know make for some wonderful content for you at Big Blue View, um, certainly in, in the <laughs> coming months. A good problem to have, like you said. Th- this was... I'm I'm so torn how to feel. I'm very impressed by the Giants. I thought Daniel Jones was amazing. I thought Saquon Saquon has has been incredible. Comeback Player of the Year. There are a lot of nominees, obviously, but Saquon is right up there. Um, you yourself thought the Vikings were frauds. A lot of people thought that. Like, how how tasty is the win to you? Like, do you really feel like it was against a, a big mighty team in the Minnesota Vikings? Well, let's put it this way: it's not against the Kansas City Chiefs. It's not against the Buffalo Bills. All right, it's. I thought entering the playoffs, the way that the matchups worked out, this was the best matchup that the Giants could have gotten in the first round. There's no doubt about that. They played them just three weeks ago. They knew that they could compete with them. They knew that the only reason they lost in that game was their own mistakes. They had they had a fumble, an interception, a blocked punt and a bunch of costly penalties so it was the best matchup that that they could have gotten and i don't know if if fraud is the right word for minnesota they're a good team but they're not a third they were not a 13 and 14 and and i i kind of kidded with some of the guys from daily norseman during the week i said you know the most the thing if i was a vikings fan that would make me the most nervous is that 11 and 0 mark all season in one score games because you just don't win them all. You just don't. And and that's how it played out. I think Vegas recognized that in the weeks leading up. Remember when we had that late season game between the Detroit Lions and Minnesota Vikings and suddenly the Lions were favored and you're like where is this coming from? And I I think you finally saw that come to a head on, on Sunday and and the Giants advance here and and Ed, I'm just watching the Giants run and, you know, you're seeing because good morning football is based in New York. There's a little bit of extra energy and on those type of shows today. You could tell that the city is is all in on Daniel Jones. The Giants runs have largely been about and this, you know, dates back to when they knocked off the Patriots twice. This why not us mentality. Do you sense after they win this game against the Vikings and now you have a divisional opponent, anything can happen in these division games. You're starting to get some of that you know, mid 2000s, why not us energy around Daniel Jones and this team? Oh, absolutely. And listen, I can't predict that. Okay. But there's, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this, but there is this weird number out there since 1993. Okay. The last time that the Giants won a playoff game without appearing in the Super Bowl was 1993. Every year since then, and this is now the 10th time that they've made the playoffs since then, they've been one and done six times. The other three times that they won a playoff game, they made it to the Super Bowl. They lost to the Ravens, and then they won two Super Bowls. So, so yeah, there's this, there's this energy. There's this, are we seeing it again Yeah, because of the history and because – I was just talking to Tony Del Genio of Big Blue View on my own show on Big Blue View Radio about this. There are similarities that you can draw between this team and those teams, just in the fact that 9-7-1 and one was not dominant. There were no expectations. They sort of, you know, they sneak in as a wild card. They're going to have to do it on the road. And there are similarities between the Daniel Jones story and the Eli Manning story. Nobody thought Eli Manning was a good quality winning quarterback until he made that playoff run in the fourth season of his career. And we're seeing that same kind of arc in, in people realizing that, you know, maybe Daniel Jones is more than more than just a, a meme for falling flat on his face, you know, running for a (laughs) touchdown against the Eagles there a couple of years ago. You know, the turf monster, you know, biting Daniel Jones. And, you know, he's 
So, you know, maybe he's not a Hall of Fame guy, but he's he's better than we thought. So there are similarities. So there is this whole there is this whole thing of could we possibly be seeing this again? Yeah. And and who knows? I will say Ed, um, just you know, from somebody who who obviously has a great deal of familiarity with the Giants, you know, rooting for the Cowboys. This feels more 2007 than 2011, um, just in that, you know, the Giants across the regular, they won the Super Bowl, but across the regular season were very clearly not the best team in the in the division, right? The Cowboys, where they ran away with, with the division, obviously, and then they had to go there, right? Mm-hmm. They had to go face the right. one seed in the divisional round, and and here they are again, you know, on the doorsteps of the Philadelphia Eagles. So it does kind of have that same energy. Kayvon Thibodeau feels very Michael Strahan-ish, especially like he's he's a magnetic personality. Um, this feels like that if Tiki Barber had hung out, uh, obviously, for that 07 season. Um, <laughs> I will say I am way more terrified as a Cowboys fan of Brian Dable than I ever was of Tom Coughlin. I was never like shaken in my boots about the idea of Tom Coughlin, but I fear Brian Dable greatly. Um, as we spin forward to the Eagles matchup on Saturday night, uh, that game's going to be on Fox Saturday night. Giants-Eagles going to be a lot of fun. Um, Ed, we'll have you covered at Big Blue View. And Brandon, obviously, with the New Green Nation, will be a lot of fun crossover. We'll figure something out on the mixtape this week, Ed. You talked uh, on the mixtape last week about the 11-0 and mark for the Vikings in one-score games. Daniel Jones, um, you mentioned it, not perfect, you know, so far throughout his NFL career. Uh, from 2019 through last year, his first three seasons in the NFL, had seven clean games with no interceptions, no fumbles. He has nine now just this season so you had seven alone across three years and nine this season like it does kind of feel like like that's due the way the vikings were due like you know do you think that that this particular lightning can be caught in a bottle for another week i don't even know how to answer that what i what i i mean it could all blow up Mm -hmm. all right it could all blow up as you said there hasn't been i think he's had one game this year where he threw two interceptions he's got the lowest interception rate of any quarterback in the NFL this year. He's had the fewest fumbles, you know, that he's had in any season of his career. But we saw Trevor Lawrence throw four interceptions in the first half the other night. Stuff happens. You just you just never know. Um, you mentioned Brian Dayball and you mentioned being afraid of of Brian Dayball. And 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 here's the thing. Brian Dayball has really set a tone for this Giants team and aggressive. I believe in our players. I He reaches out to players. He's got great relationships with players and, and with people throughout the building. But the other thing that Brian Daybold did was he assembled an elite, outstanding coaching staff. Mike Kafka as, as offensive coordinator is tremendous the way that he calls plays, the way that he's evolved this offense. It started as Brian Dable's Buffalo playbook, and it has just evolved with Kafka's twists and with with the way that they scheme receivers open and the way that they lean into Daniel Jones' running ability and and Wink Martindale and, and some of the position coaches getting the best years that some of these players have ever had, like Dexter Lawrence having the best year of his career. The coaching staff needs to get so much credit for what this for what this team has done because you can look up and down the roster and still say there are places where the talent just doesn't look that good. Right. Um, Ed Valentine, main man over at BigBlueView.com. Your home, the best home for New York Giants coverage. He'll have you covered all week long, like we said, in the lead-up to the division around matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. Ed, uh, enjoy the week. Keep the good times going. And, um, I, you know, I, I hope you have a great week. Cause I, I want there to be positive energy between you and I, which you, you came in with, with a very opposite mindset. Well, I, I, I just, I just came in just, just needing to just, just needing to go there once, okay. but you know, but, but good luck to you. I mean, I, I honestly, honestly, I can never root for Tom Brady. So <laughs> You, so, you know, Ed, so, Ed, so there it is. As you know, those 2007 Giants started their Super Bowl run with a win on the road in Tampa. So, you know, mm-hmm. maybe the Cowboys uh, could do the same. Ed Valentine, go, thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day. We'll talk soon, buddy. Thank you. Uh, Pete Sweeney, the world is coming for Kirk Cousins and these Vikings. Mm. Frauds. You and I both picked them to win the NFC. I, I went one step further and picked them to win the Super Bowl. To be clear, we did this way back in the offseason, right? Like yeah. we believe, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but I think I think that their success wasn't how we envisioned it. Um, no, it, but I, I hate that they're get, getting called frauds. I agree with Ed. That's not the right word, but this was a tough loss for Minnesota. 
Yeah, I just think it was one of those things where this was my preseason pick. I had picked the Chiefs over the Vikings, and we got to the end here. And entering the weekend, I was still trying to roll with confidence in the Vikings, but I, I myself knew that at some point it, it would end and it wasn't going to be ending in, in the Super Bowl. And I think we saw a, a, a difference between one team playing well and one team that is always up and down and up and down, down to the point of those 11 games that Ed was just talking about where you, you won one score games. That is playing with fire. And I think you see that. I, I love O'Connell. Um, in previous years, I had said it's tough to trust Kirk, and it is. It's just tough to trust Dude, him. Kirk, as, Kirk was as, thirty-one of thirty-nine for two hundred seventy-three yards and two touchdowns. Like, I, 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 I mean, like, I don't blame Kirk. Is my point? Like, that's not no, like the the priority think, blame for me. I think what I see in Kirk, and I, you know, you see the difference in Daniel Jones now, which is amazing to be saying today, but. Kirk is going to only take you so far where Daniel Jones and a lot of other quarterbacks in the league, when you talk about potential top 10, top 15 guys, can will you to a victory. Daniel Jones willed his team to a victory. And you're right. Kirk wasn't bad, but he was fine. And I just don't know if fine is ever going to get you there. Um, We'll see. Um, We'll see about Kirk. But uh, going to be that's this is a rough season for Vikings fans because everyone called them frauds. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, the fact that they lost, like, the fact that their first one score game loss was in the playoffs is just like yeah. confirmation of the prior that everybody who hated on them wants. And so um, that's a tough thing to deal with. I mentioned tough this thing that, Go ahead. tough thing to bounce back from. And if you're a Minnesota fan, like this is one of these long off seasons, right? You're just going to be dying to 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 have a reset here but at the same time it because of those one score losses it does feel like a team where you don't really know if they're going to be this good next year i i think it's one of those candidates and it's going to be a long off season right so we'll be talking about this one of those candidates to kind of fall off from being right. a playoff well there, there will be all the talk about the regression how you can't win yes. that many one score games yep. and you've got to deal with the justin jefferson contract talks and situation not that there's a question about keeping him around but people will make the question like does he even want to be a part of this team and blah 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 <laughs> um i i would also add um you know i, I mentioned i think the bills and the cowboys are, are two teams who've been waiting a year to get back here the vikings are now that team right like you're just like itching you're just like waiting you're you know it's a tough, tough year to go through. Believe me, I understand. Let's go to those Bills uh, who won the first game on Sunday. Um, what was the line? Were they nine and a half point favorites? Um, I don't know if you know off the top of your head. It was, it was it, huge. It, it, it began at nine. Okay. And then by the time the game went off, I saw Miami was getting 14 points. Okay. Well, uh, Buffalo came nowhere near close to covering. They, mm. uh, they, In fact, they led 17 to nothing early on in this game. And then reached a point where they trailed 24 to yeah. 20, uh, just thanks to kind of a, a perfect storm of errors. They obviously wound up winning 34 to 31, the final score. Josh Allen, Pete, I mentioned this 23 of 39, 352 yards, had three touchdowns, played some really great, gorgeous football, but had two interceptions and the fumble that was returned for a touchdown. I'm obviously very jaded on this because I'm I'm a Cowboys fan. I cover the Cowboys. And so like when Dak Prescott, you know, has a moment, it's like, oh, it, it's in his DNA, blah, blah, blah. This mm. this is who Josh Allen is. Like you talk about playing with fire. Josh Allen will open the door. He did it against the Bears recently. He did it against the Vikings, who we saw when they blew that 17-point lead. I mean, Josh Allen will let other teams back and get he is amazing, but he can also be the quarterback who is potentially the ignition to your demise. Yeah, I I, th- I think Josh Allen is among the best quarterbacks in the league. I, I don't think that's all that debatable. But to me, it's it's like he has this lack of situational awareness um, running sometimes and not going down fast enough. I like I watch Josh Allen sometimes he he plays it awfully close as to when he's going to you know give up on a certain play. And like you like that toughness. Right. And he's a big bodied guy so he can take the hits. But at a certain point. You're going to get smashed. And I, I think he plays with fire a lot in, in that sense. And I think you're right. It's a it's a player that is otherworldly at times. And then, you know, when you have your team building a lead, will take unnecessary risks in a way. Like I said, it it's a one of the elite quarterbacks in the league. But I think if there's, you know, as you're trying to differentiate these guys to the top, which is a Patrick Mahomes and a Joe Burrow and. Um, you know, if you want to make the case for for Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if you can anymore, but Lamar Jackson, the top QBs in the league. It's just like if you if his situational awareness was a little bit better, I think it would be so clearly buying for the number one spot. But I think there are other guys like a Mahomes, like a Burrow, who I think you just trust a little bit more in the big game. And until I think you Alan, think- I, I, 
I'm sorry. Yeah, I, was just, I think it feels like they have higher floors, like they're more trustworthy. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. like that's that's the issue. Uh, our friend Tim, the whiskey influencer on Instagram, everybody follows him on Instagram, says that's why Josh and I was overrated going into the season. He dominated last year's playoffs, but that was more of an outlier than the norm. Um, and the largest data set, he can be exceptional, but also that Tim is an actuary, so everybody knows. So he, um, you know, he says data and things like this. Like, he's not just making this up. Um, I And like, I, I've said this on many shows. I, I love Josh and I, so I feel bad saying this out loud. Um, but like he is not held responsible for these things, right? Like that he is a media darling, yeah. you know, people love him. They love the, the bill story and things like that. And I get like, I love all that too, but like he almost blew this game for them. I, I mean, they would have yes. become the first two seed to lose in the playoffs. And I, like, I wasn't impressed with the dolphins. Like, did, did you feel like the dolphins played a great game? Like, like you look at the, this, like the no, team stats and from this, go ahead. I just, I think it, I think a lot came down to Skylar Thompson. Skylar Thompson was overwhelmed at the beginning of the game. Right. I, I think he saw that and then he settled in. And then all of a sudden, like, uh, you know, the game is four quarters, right? But if say that in a weird world, there was a fifth quarter and you, I, I just think he settled into the game, but it, by then it was just too big of a hole. They almost pulled it off, right? To have a 24 to 20 lead in the third quarter. And you could sense too in Buffalo, there was, some nervousness during the game at that point because look it doesn't matter who you're playing you could be playing the worst team in the league if you're down in the third quarter and you're starting to flirt with fire there right because the less the the as time that takes away you're, you you don't know how it's going to go you ever and, need to like uh, the game when you're a kid at like the like you're at a restaurant and you put your hand out and you like space all your fingers out and like you do the butter knife you know what i mean like kind of going yes. through the gaps in between like that's yes. what the bills are doing here it's like dude why are you doing this i mean the the Dolphins, Pete, in the second quarter had three possessions in a row that began across the 50-yard line thanks to interceptions and the punt. Um, yeah. They got – and their possessions in the, in the second quarter alone were field goal, field goal, field goal, touchdown. I mean, that – like a better team, to your point, a better quarterback puts the game away there, and Skylar Thompson just couldn't. No, and, and you know, it leaves you to wonder what if, if it had been Tua or even – I think they would have won. Teddy, I, I, Teddy I think they would have won Teddy. if it had been Tua. Maybe even Teddy, um, but I I think again I it's hard for me to make these takes because there's such a Kansas City Buffalo well, thing. Then, then I'll make them I, for I think you. Buffalo is going to get I think Buffalo is going to get whooped uh, on their home field by Cincinnati. I just that's I, just how I feel. I think that if I compare the two quarterbacks, I think that Josh Allen has an exceptionally higher ceiling than Joe Burrow. That is not a slight against Burrow whatsoever. Like we, we've seen Josh Allen, you know, the the like 50 yard rainbow drops in the bucket that he has to Stephon yes. Diggs or whoever are just incredible. But he is so much more volatile than, than Joe Burrow. And like maybe you're comfortable like just living with that, right? Like you live in and die by that sword, like in, in the magnificence of Josh Allen and, and what it can or can't offer you. But I, I will take the steady hand. That is, and it's not like to say steady hand implies that he's just like like a bus driver. Like that's obviously not the case with Joe Burrow. Like I do trust the the Bengals as a whole more. Again, the Dolphins in the second half, they they really these are their possessions: punt, punt, interception, punt. They did have the one super long touchdown, seventy five yard. That was kind of the only time the offense really got it together. But yeah, like the Bills insisted on playing with their food. Uh, Matt Warren, our great friend here at Espionation, says it's hard to blame one of those interceptions on Josh when it bounced off Cole Beasley's chest, right? I agree. But again, like as somebody who covers Dak Prescott, like that crap happens. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's it's crazy stuff. Um, so I, I don't blame I, Josh, I, but th this tends to happen. He, I mean, like, if I, the Bills if I, had if the most turnovers the, in the NFL this year. If you're watching this, if you're watching the playoffs as a Bills fan and you're, you know, then you watch the playoffs as a Bengals fan. The difference between Allen and Burrow for me is that Allen is just like a little bit more erratic and yeah. sometimes erratic to in plays when he doesn't have to be erratic. And I know, and it annoys me too, Joe Burrow gets the Mr. Cool comment collected, but in the playoffs, that feels a lot safer as a fan. Like, I don't think it just feels way more likely that Allen is going to make a boneheaded play. Whereas Joe Burrow, like, and this is just my opinion is just a lot less likely to make a dumb mistake with the season on the line. And I, and the, the great thing about this argument is we're not necessarily talking in hypotheticals. We're finally going to get this game next right. weekend. So maybe I'll be proven wrong and look like an idiot or, and this is what I think I'll be proven right. And I think Joe Burrow is going to take that cool, calm, steady presence and pull off a, a big win in Buffalo. I'm not like, coming for you i think the word boneheaded might not be fair but like the the cole beasley yeah, interception I, like the, the, the interception that happens off, happens off of cole beasley is unfortunate but like chaos finds you when you are chaotic you know what i'm saying like and so like it's that's more what chaos i mean sometimes I, 
I don't. Yeah, I think it's just it feels like Allen is more likely a quarterback in a play to be like, what was he thinking with that decision in this mm-hmm. spot? But some, but just, some of that you don't see that as often like, from Burrow and, like, and we, Pat. We've seen him like float to the right, like the right side of the field, like you know, like come right near the sideline and just like at the last second yeah. rip off these like laser beam touchdowns. So like that, you know, disposition leads to those. Well, that's sort what's of plays. maddening, if right? You're a I Bills mean, fan, that's what I'm saying. Like, like yo, maybe you, you just have live all with this it. Talent in the world. <laughs> yes, I know. I mean, I know, but like maybe you maybe you live with it because like you can't have one without the other. Like you can't be like be beautiful chaotic, but get rid of like yeah. horrible chaotic. It's just kind of the way it goes. Gabe Davis, Mr. Playoff Man, did show up in this game. Uh, nine targets, same as Stephon Diggs. Six catches, a buck 13, did have the touchdown. Isaiah McKenzie was inactive, and I saw a lot of chatter like, oh, here comes Khalil Shakir. Three catches, 51 yards. Had a drop that I thought obviously could have been another great pass. Uh, Cole Beasley did have two catches for 35 yards, had the touchdown. Dawson Knox came back to life. Like, it's not hard to talk yourself into the Bills, like, billing, right? Like, like they, they are, when they're on, one of the very best teams in the NFL, but they do like to fly close to the sun. Um, I'm very interested to watch this game on um, on on Saturday, Sunday, Sunday afternoon against the Bengals. The Bills to me are a team right now where no result would be all that surprising. If they won the Super Bowl, it wouldn't be all that surprising. If they lost the Super Bowl, it wouldn't be all that surprising. If they lose next week, right. it wouldn't be all that surprising. And so that's a scary place to be for a fan who, you know, in the city really, really needs this this title. Well, let's um let's head to Saturday's action now. So uh, the Bills will play the Bengals. We'll talk about the Bengals in a moment. So uh, we are insured one half of the neutral site scenario, right? Because somebody, the Bills or Bengals, is going to win that that game in the AFC division round. If the Chiefs beat the Jaguars, then we will have the neutral site AFC championship game that the NFL came up with a few weeks ago. Um, and the reason um, that a lot of people think the Chiefs are going to win is because they're going to play the Jaguars because the Jaguars came back from down twenty-seven to nothing. And Pete, look. I do not want to be the like Justin Herbert sucks person. All right. But we just sat here and we ridiculed Kirk Cousins despite playing very well. We ridiculed Josh Allen despite being one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. And, you know, for large stretches of Sunday afternoon, played very well against the Dolphins. Again, had the moments that we talked about. Justin Herbert played magnificent and put up a 27 to nothing lead on the road in Duval County. Did you know this was the coldest game ever in Duval County? Did you know this? No, I didn't know that. what, what, what What do you think was the temperature? Um, 38. Not quite. It was 43 degrees. Oh, <laughs> close though. Pretty close. Um, yeah, anyway, wow. uh, the chargers had the third worst collapse all time. 27 to nothing vanquished. The Jaguars win 31 to 30. I will be the five millionth person to say that this looks like the place that Sean Payton could end up because Brandon Staley is that's the thing. Like this game happened two days ago, admittedly, but like it feels like nobody cares. Like th- this to me is the biggest symptom or the biggest indication of who the Chargers really are. You blow this twenty-seven point lead. Justin Herbert, this quarterback that everybody loves to, to hype up, and and again, rightfully so to some extent. Like all these things happen, and then like it's like, oh, let's dunk on them for ten minutes, and then like, okay, cool. Um, I'm I'm gonna watch you know something on Apple TV. Right? Like it's it's just it's so insane. Like the Chargers are such a non-story in in their overall culture. I think. You know, you, you look at this game and the, the comeback was what it was. And kudos to Trevor Lawrence for throwing four picks. Oh, dude, somehow. man. Stones. But how, how you can overcome that mentally, especially in your second year in the league, is unbelievable. But look, you look on the, the Chargers side of it. I think the, the microcosm of this team right now in, in its situation was your star defender going absolutely nuts and losing his mind in front of your head coach. Um, and for me... So it, 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 I know it's just one moment and I know it was a lot of emotion, but that just, I think, shows you like where the charges are at under the leadership of Brandon Staley. Hmm. It was one of these situations where I thought, OK, the Chargers made the playoffs. Staley is, is definitely going to be here next year. But the manner, the matter, or I should say the manner in which they lost now leads me to believe, well, it, in a way, it, it becomes clear that that this is not going to be the guy to take you to the promised land. And I, I wonder if because of the way they lost, this is a situation where Peyton now becomes very attractive again. I, I think there was only a certain type of game to get that conversation going again. And I think the Chargers were dealt it. It's amazing. Like this is such a self self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, and again, the, like the victory laps around Herbert are a little bit 
too much. Like it's fair. Yes. I think it's it's fair to say like, dude, you had a twenty-seven to nothing lead and you lost. Yes. You put up three points in that second half. Like that. To, like we're gonna sit here and bag on on Kirk Cousins because he, he threw one awful you know pass. Although I know some people are trying to like, explain this away um, on fourth down. I mean, okay, fine. Let's do that. Let's sit here. Let's let's roast Kirk Cousins. Let's roast Josh Allen. Where where is the roasting of Justin Herbert? I mean, like three yeah. points in the second half. Yeah, and and I I so know I'm, I'm sorry, that I'm sorry, Pete. Like, and I know you won't do this, but like, it is hilarious that people put him on Mahomes's level. Like, it it is objectively hilarious. He is very well, very good, but it it just proves what an exception to the norm Patrick Mahomes is. He had Herbert has these Mahomes like moments, right? And like, I think that's what makes you feel like crazy when all of a sudden it it's just flash in the pans, and then you know you look at the whole breadth of a game and sure you have those moments but he's not leading you to what you need and and that's a, a playoff victory and i i wonder what ends up happening in, in la this was an extremely disappointing end to what seemed like a postseason where maybe they could take off and i'll tell you the truth and i i, I swear i felt this way going in uh, and i still feel it a lot of people in Kansas City wanted to see the Chargers knocked off. And, you know, you get this easy game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is not going to be an easy game in Kansas City. I mean, it really isn't. I, I think even the, the point spread that has already been put out there already feels too much to me, in my opinion. I didn't want to see the Jacksonville Jaguars because I trusted the quarterback more. And then I'm watching this game in the first half. And I, again, you know, you talk about you try to make predictions of you're feeling like an idiot because, like, it very clearly seemed like the moment was too big for Trevor Lawrence. And then all of a sudden, I mean, he stayed in it. He was mentally there. He never cracked. And he put together one of the better second half playoff performances of all time. And this is serious effing house money that the Jags are playing with. And yeah. that's a very scary prospect, you know, going in. Like, what do they have to lose? This season for Jacksonville is a raging success. And now you're going into Arrowhead. Hey, we're going to play our hearts out. If we if we somehow pull it off, we pull it off. But this has been a great season anyway. Those are scary teams in the postseason. I do feel like the Chiefs have kind of drawn that team several years in a row. Like they've drawn the yeah. like Cinderella story, right? Like they drew um, like the Titans in the the 19 AFC championship game was kind of this like, hey, you know, we weren't supposed to be here type thing. You know? King Henry. Right, yeah. exactly. They drew the Browns the next year. And like I know that went a little bit down to the wire. But like, you know, like the, the Chiefs are like the big bad wolf that like everybody's coming and like trying to be the Cinderella story for. Um, and maybe the Jaguars are that team. I don't know, but you're right. Like Trevor Lawrence was amazing. The first half was terrible. I mean, like, I don't know that anybody's, terrible. you know, gonna sit here and and you know, not not agree with that. You mentioned the line. Um, just for context, the Eagles, and this is all according to our friends at DraftKings, opened as seven part or not open, but they're I don't know if there was like a half point movement, but they are currently seven point favorites over the Giants. The Bengals are four point underdogs um in Buffalo this coming week. The Chiefs have the largest point spread assigned to them at the moment. They are eight and a half point favorites against the Jaguars. And I'm I'm with you. Like I do think there's something to like the devil you know, you know that the Chargers. It's like okay, we know yeah. we can kind of handle this team. Like the Jaguars, that that game at Arrowhead, uh, excuse me, G E H A Field, uh, was a little <laughs> was, was a little bit um a little bit dicey, right? Like a, a month, month and a half ago, like whatever it was. And I'm not saying it was you close, know, but there was the some, Chiefs, some cute energy. The Chiefs were in control all game. There was was a moment or two where you thought, okay, maybe the Jags can get something going here and make it interesting, and and they were never really able to get past that hump. But to me. This is what's what's tough about any kind of rematch game, whether it be division or otherwise. Like this was a different Jaguars team. I felt like week 10, all of a sudden they turned it on and they have had this swagger down in Duval. And I mean, you get the Andy Reid, Doug Peterson matchup, which right. it's, an, you know, if there's ever going to be a, an upset, a miracle upset, like, you know, Andy and Doug made scripts opening scripts together for years he, he doug got a super bowl before andy did like this is with his old team you know what i mean a, like the the cute little a, this is gonna be too. this is gonna be a more interesting matchup than i think people are gonna give it credit for like i think everyone's gonna just fill in kansas city right like oh this is you know it's gonna be more interesting than that I'm and, so and like as you as you get further along here Wild card round is what it is. A lot of times it goes scratched. Right. Once you get to the divisional round, you, you start to like never know. Once you get to the title, it could go anywhere. Like I, you know, you throw everything out. I think once you get to the title game, and so we'll see what happens next week. I'm, I'm, I'll be at this game. I'm very excited about it. I, I think it's gonna be a really good football game. I'm so happy that we get a Jaguars playoff run with them having normal 
in uniforms and standard uniforms like i i a part of me like was unable to enjoy the last one because they had those half gold helmets you know what i'm saying so like yeah. it's really like the helmet matchup like on the cbs set you know what i mean will look proper you know what i mean unlike uh it did five years ago um <laughs> the, the jaguars are a lot of fun i know a lot of people are going to be into them um if they win and if the Bengals win we will have a conference championship game between back-to-back number one overall picks obviously Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence and I was thinking about this uh when I was walking my dog this morning I think the last time that happened was uh we talked about it with Ed 2011 um when Alex Smith and and Eli Manning squared off in the NFC championship game um, granted, that took a little bit longer than um, yeah. after after the fact when they were drafted. You get my point. Like we're talking about Trevor Lawrence taking last year Joe Burrow two years ago. I mean, it's just kind of crazy. If that how- scenario played out. The AFC title game in Cincinnati would be a madhouse. I, I, I mean, it, it would be wild. I was just going to add this last point. I do think, and I guess we'll get to the Bengals next. Like, if the NFL could have picked like the four quarterbacks, we we talk so much about like the quarterback star power in the AFC yeah. ball. Like, this is it. Like, this is this is the young kings. I know Mahomes is like the old man at like twenty seven or whatever, but like <laughs> you know, so you've got Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Lawrence, and and Justin Herbert is the like honorable mention that gets left out, right? Like, th- this is it. And- this is the 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 fate. These are the faces you want it's it's a shame that the injuries sort of played out the way they did because you could have added Tua and Lamar Jackson to that mix and it would have been like a quarterback Royal Rumble and you know we were we were kind of you know it was taken away from us due to unforeseen injuries and that you know that stinks because you you wonder what would have happened had those guys played um I said we go to Cincinnati next but I changed my mind let's um let's tie a bow on what the Niners did this was the most boring game of the weekend uh because <laughs> of the night it was kind of close for a little while right like there was a like a halftime like oh in fact the Seahawks led at halftime um was was the, the score was 17 to 16 and you yeah, kind of like- thought I mean, did you think, did you let, did you let yourself think like this, this could happen? Yes. I mean, I know what the final score was, but when it was 23 to 17 Niners in the third quarter, the Seahawks were driving. If they converted a touchdown instead of had the turnover on that drive, they're up by one point with heading into the fourth quarter. And this is still the NFC West, but it was that moment happened with the turnover and then it was quicksand like the San Francisco 49ers are just too talented. And I think this is a message to the rest of the NFC. If you draw the 49ers, like they could score 40 points in a blink, right? They're, they're one of these teams that all of a sudden and you can be out of, out of a game right. fast. The Seahawks were right there. Like, don't let the final score f- fool you going into the th- end of the third, fourth quarter seemed like it could go either way. And it was quicksand for Seattle and that that's expected and so brock purdy and these talented talented talents and skill guys all move on it was um it was 23 to 17 at the start of the fourth quarter so it was a one possession game when the fourth quarter started to your point and and you're right i don't know that the, that the final score the box score is is fair or, or or purely represents what the seahawks did and how closely and tightly they play this you mentioned the niners they will host the winner of monday night's game whether it's the cowboys or the buccaneers uh, that will be the team facing San Francisco. That's the the final game of divisional weekend um, on Sunday late afternoon. Uh, Brock Purdy yeah. was, I mean, like at the, like everyone keeps saying, right? Like, oh, at some point the Vikings have to lose a one possession game. I mentioned at some point Daniel Jones has to have a turnover game. At some point Brock Purdy's got to lose. At 18 of 30, 332 yards, three touchdowns. Um, did have a rushing touchdown as well. Like, I, I mean, it, it was a it was a story. Like it was a movie. What Brock Purdy did on on Sunday on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, it's hard to sleep on him at, at this point. And it's, it's just incredible. And I, you know, I think I know that they don't involve the playoffs in this, right. But it, man, if the Niners were to somehow do it, you know, you almost think like maybe they should wait to vote for coach of the year after the season, because this would be remarkable for Kyle Shannon. I saw Kyle Posey and stats both tweet about this. Um, there was the like contentious are the Seahawks trying to injure Debo play like kind of twisting yeah. his ankle moment um and yeah. I I don't know remember the, the numbers off the top of my head but Kyle had it like from that moment on the Niners blew them out like it, it was like 22 yeah. to nothing from that moment on like total yardage it was insane and well go ahead no I I and I you know I, I mentioned it before but you know this is the thing about this game and and this is why you always got to try to look beyond the, bo- the box score that um that drive that i was talking about where you know the seahawks were threatening they had already had 12 plays for 55 yards you know they were rolling in a sense geno fumbles and that was it i mean that was Mm -hmm. it for 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 the day and it's those little plays man it's those little plays that that can be game changing and like you know you look for the one stat that that matters and uh i guess trevor lawrence can can 
you know, earmuff his ears because it didn't matter in that game. But the turnovers, mm-hmm. I mean, turnovers are the turnover differential is just so important in the postseason. And this was uh, exactly, you know, of course, there are outliers like Jacksonville. Right? right. But generally speaking, if you you turn the football over, you can really ruin your season. That's what happens here. I just um, Kyle's point was um, not, not to like harp on that, but it was like, this is not a mm-hmm. team you want to poke. And, and that no. that's how I feel as a Cowboys fan. Right. Like and, and my, you know, my team season was ended a year ago because they they poked that bear. Right. Like then the yeah. Niners are the biggest sleeping giant. Like I'm not saying no other team is good, but like that is the, the one team I do not want to like get in a fight with. And if the Cowboys win, they obviously have to travel there. Um, they, they look like the most complete team in the NFL right now. That doesn't mean they have the best quarterback or the best this or the best that, but they look like the biggest threat to win the Super Bowl. Um, they made it boring. I mean, you're right. It was close early on, but they made it boring um, by the end of it all. So uh, San Francisco, like I said, will host the winner of Monday night. Uh, the winner of Sunday night, the Cincinnati Bengals, will travel to face the Buffalo Bills, as mentioned. Uh, the Geno fumble, eerily similar. So the, the the weekend, I know today's still part of the weekend, but the weekend started with that game, right? The Geno fumble that was kind of the the flashpoint for, for the turnaround for the Niners or whatever. Not turnaround, but you get my point. The Tyler Huntley fumble um that that Sam Hubbard returned 98 yards that was it that was the moment right like at at that point I think we all kind of thought like right before that that attempted sneak like the Ravens are gonna do this like here the Bengals season is about to end until Sam Hubbard ran 98 yards back the Bengals win uh the AFC North Bowl 24 to 17 the final score like I said they will visit Buffalo on Saturday early afternoon this is the perfect example of like that. That's why you know, going into next week with the Giants and, and Eagles. I mean, you never know in these division matchups that they you know land with each other in the playoffs. Not that you know, I I firmly believe the Eagles are going to win, you know. But I I just you never know. And that we were very close. Tyler Huntley was seeming, in a way, like Lamar Jackson. You know, you were watching him, he was smiling, and then all of a sudden he, he starts playing really well in the middle of this game, and you're like. I think the Bengals are are gonna blow this, right? And you know, we we just went on a whole tangent about how much I I trusted Joe Burrow. It, it wasn't like the the Bengals were necessarily the the world beaters that we're we're used to on on offense. It, it just seemed like everything was a struggle, and that's a kudos to the the Baltimore defense. Um, and then you know you had this stunning play where where it's fumbled, and it looked like a play that was like, oh, this will definitely come back because there's no way that that could have really just happened. And they let it play out, and it was absolutely a no doubter fumble. There was no question about it, and they ran it back 98 yards, and that was it. And that is, if you're looking for a soul crushing moment of the weekend, it was this one. Um, I know you like to have a lot of fun at Mark Andrews and Kyle Barber's expense. Um, yeah. I thought Mark Andrews was the the Ravens MVP of this game. Like, not to take away from Tyler Huntley, but Mark Andrews was was fairly reliable. Ten targets, only five catches. That you know, kind of sounds misleading, but seventy three yards and almost stopped that touchdown. I, I again, I I think like. We, we talk best. We, we talk so much about um the DK Metcalf chase down in Arizona a few years ago. I know that Mark Andrews did not catch Sam Hubbard, but like holy crap! I mean, you know, DK Metcalf is a superhuman, like in terms of athleticism. Mark Andrews doesn't have that same you know sort of like athletic profile, and he almost did yeah. it. I mean, like it, I, it, it, it was <laughs> he he showed up like he he had been kind of silent is my point, and we had joked about that. But I I really thought Mark Andrews you know played up for this game, especially when they were down Lamar. Yeah, shout out to, to Kyle Barber. You're referring to that moment where Kyle came on our, our show here and he said that without a doubt, Mark Andrews is the best tight end in the league. That, that, was, night, that was after another Sunday night game between these two teams, by the way. That in, night, Travis Kelsey, I believe, had four touchdowns in one game. And then Andrews, shortly after, he got hurt in the middle of the year. I think right. that link, he had a lingering injury all year. And maybe he was finally feeling a little bit healthier in this game. Maybe he just was pushing through the pain a little bit more. I don't know. But he did look like that Andrews that, even I had like before Kyle tried to come on and, and you know, tarnish the name of our the beloved Travis Kelsey. Even I had said, I don't think Andrews gets enough respect. And here he was basically putting the team on his back with Huntley. And man, it's just a shame for, for Baltimore because they almost pulled off what would have been an absolute stunner. It's um, we talked about a long off season's coming for the Vikings. Basically, you wear purple, you got a long off season coming because the same is true <laughs> for the Baltimore Ravens. I want to get to John Harbaugh in a moment, but you talked about injuries. Lamar Jackson did not play in this game again. Um, obviously, the injury is still a question mark. There's um, I'm not the first person to say this. Many people have said it. There's some kind of Kawhi Leonard energy here, yeah. just a little bit, right? It's a very strange situation. Um, it was noted on the broadcast that he did not travel with the team, which only kind of fueled the like hype and hysteria and speculation and, and all sorts of rumors and things like that. Lamar did post on his Instagram story. I don't know if you saw this yet, Pete, uh, early Monday morning. 
Um, it was like a, like he shared a post. Like it wasn't like he typed the text himself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he shared a post, and the post says, when you have something good, you don't play with it. You don't take chances losing it. You don't neglect it. When you have something good, you pour into it. You appreciate it. Because when you take care of something good, that good thing takes care of you too. It seems like the Ravens um, are going to be in line to franchise tag Lamar Jackson. They got the deal done with Rokon Smith last week, which which leaves that as an available option for them. Uh, but there's some weird energy around Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, um, I don't know. It seems like this is going to be a, a, an off-season long uh, you know, dilemma. And I, you know, I think we're just at the, the tip of the iceberg here of like, the stories that are going to be like once the Super Bowl is clear and there isn't as much to talk about mm-hmm. as we get ready for you know free agency in the draft. I just think this is going to be one of the it stories in the league and and not the only one, of course. You know, I think there's a lot of quarterback question marks throughout the league. Aaron Rodgers is another one, but uh, this feels like this is just the very beginning of what this should should be an interesting offseason because sure, I mean they can franchise tag. Lamar, Lamar could also choose who's representing himself, and you know, and, and he's just kind of going with what with his own gut. He could say, "I'm, I'm not coming to work, guys." Like, <laughs> can franchise tag me all you want. So, uh, yeah, it could be the end of of Lamar. I think in Baltimore, and yeah, and no, I hope that isn't the case. I hope, I hope they do end up, you know, figuring out a deal. But it does seem like it's in an especially bad place. I am really sad that I'm going to say this. Um, I think we all kind of have, like we talk about this a lot, like teams we kind of like that aren't, you know, like teams we just have like soft spots for. And I think there's players that that, that applies to and coaches. I've always loved John Harbaugh, right? Like John Harbaugh is the man. Like yeah. I love John Harbaugh, the Baltimore Ravens head coach. This is maybe the least I've ever trusted him. Um, yeah. Like like what we've seen as of late. So he had the really strange interview with Melissa Stark. Did you see this like kind of popping off on the internet? Um, it was did you know it was, very brief. It, it was very brief it was like coach pop of the san antonio spurs right, right. It? it was so much wow like- what a what a huge day for the spurs we were talking about Kawhi leonard and pop and everything <laughs> um but anyway um so it was i think it was the transition from the first quarter to the second quarter and we've seen that this year like this isn't new um the yeah. top broadcasts have been doing these like mid-quarter kind of like like you know in the nba I, style interviews i love it uh, I, 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 in, I know that the coaches hate it, but I love it. It's interesting, but it leads to moments like this. So Melissa Stark is like, hey, so like what's going on? Just like doing her job. And he's like, don't talk to me. I'm super mad. And, and she's like, OK, well, and, and she says, um, you know, there was talk that you might split the time between Tyler Huntley and Anthony Brown tonight. Like what would lead to that? I mean, kind of an invasive question, but, you know, she's doing her job. And he says, let's just see how the game plays out. Like there was some like, you know, I'm trying very hard not to be a jerk here, but sort of incidentally, accidentally being a jerk at the same time. Like it was just a really uncomfortable uh, tense moment. And then we had the non timeout sequence at the end of this, um, where the Ravens just let all the clock in the world bleed down. Like this, this is supposed to be one of the four, like most forward thinking franchises when it comes to stuff like this. Um, and it was just kind of unsettling to watch the Ravens let time literally tick by. Yeah. Not that it's an excuse, but these head coaches can be a little insane. And when everything seemed already to, to be going wrong, I mean, I, I don't think he should have <laughs> treated Melissa with, it's seemingly a lot of disrespect in a way, but I, I can also understand like these are new interviews. These are head coaches that have never had to do this. And here he is in a playoff game and with jobs and families, jobs and so on and so forth on the line. And he's, I think more egregious than anything was the, the clock management at the end of the game. Right. right? Like, I yeah, yeah. The, the interview stuff is whatever, but the clock management was really, really strange and really unusual and uncharacteristic for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. And, and, this is a, a head coach that is a little bit progressive in, in what he believes and going it forward on fourth down and the analytics of everything. And to be as I think in tune to the numbers as he is in those analytical moments where sometimes the Ravens will go for it in spots that other teams simply wouldn't have. Um, you know, if you're going to have such a stronghold on that, you can't be messing up the little things like and just not letting time tick away as you're losing the, the playoff game in front of you. And so, yeah, I, and, it, and I thought that that was uncharacteristic. It seems like they should have had a, a better understanding of, of their situation, and, and they didn't, and it cost them. You know, the clock just kind of ran out of them. There is one game left in Super Wild Card Weekend. The Dallas Cowboys will visit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday night football. Like I said, the winner will travel to face the San Francisco 49ers in the division around of the playoffs. At the moment, uh, the line has stayed pretty steady here. Uh, you know, per our friends at DraftKings, the Cowboys are two and a half point favorites. That is on the road. The last road favorited team lost. It was also a game played in the state of Florida. It was the L.A. Chargers against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, in fact, both teams from the state of Florida that have already played overcame b- big deficits. I know the Dolphins lost, but they did 
technically yeah. get out to a lead after trailing 17 to nothing. The Jaguars obviously won. Um, I've talked about this many times just to set the stage for you, Pete. The Cowboys are 0-7 against Tom Brady all time. Never played him in the playoffs, obviously. Um, that is a thing. The Cowboys are playing on grass. That's been a thing all week long. Uh, the Cowboys have not won a road playoff game since the 1992 NFC Championship game. This is their first road wild card game. Uh, since they visited the Seattle Seahawks following the 2006 season. That was the infamous Tony Romo bobble on the um, the field goal attempt. So I, lots I of one, negative energy surrounding the Cowboys, making lots of Cowboys fans anxious. I have one question for you about this game because it's just something that you know, I'm curious for your opinion on. Is Mike McCarthy coaching for his job tonight? Does he keep his job if they lose this game? I mean, I've said all these things many times, um, but they're the Cowboys, so like you kind of have to. I think it would be so silly to move on from Mike McCarthy at this point. Regardless of the results tonight? Yeah. Like, I mean, would you fire him right now? No. You know what I mean? So, like, it's it's silly to say that. Like, look, I understand that these things are going to sound pathetic, but, like, that's who the Cowboys have been for a quarter century, right? Like, you know, they're not the team that, like, won three out of four Super Bowls. You know, that wasn't, like, two years ago. That was a long, long, long time ago. The Cowboys are a playoff team for the first time in in back-to-back seasons since 2006, that Tony Romo bobble in 2007 when we talked about the Giants going on that run. I know you appreciated that. Uh, A young Pete Sweeney was that your freshman year of college, I I think? Sophomore year. I I, I don't know. I just think that – and I don't know if it's this is right – but this is just reality. Like these playoff games change the course of what teams do. Like I think that's talked about New York. Like that was a question I had to end this morning. It, well, the Giants are keeping Saquon and Daniel now, and he's like, "Of course they are." If I, that game went to four. Like well, if that was forty-one nothing Vikings. I agree that it it is a, it's a big thing. Like I'm not trying to like you know waft away the significance of it. Like it's big. Um, I do think that it won't like, I think if the Cowboys win the national media machine, won't make it a big deal. And it will be like, Oh, so what you beat Tom Brady in the playoffs, right? Like, like he's, he's washed Brady. Like it's not, it's not really beating Brady. You don't get to like pound your chest away. Like anybody else who's beating him in the playoffs is done. Um, it, it is big. I mean, it's big for because like the jokes write themselves at this point, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. Daniel Jones has as many playoff wins as Dak Prescott right now. Brock Purdy has as many playoff wins. Like, blah, blah, blah. I mean, like you can go on and on and on and on and on. Um, and we, we could sit here for like years and, and make jokes at their, at their expense. <laughs> I've done that. I've done that many different times. Do you realize that Marvin Harrison, who's in the Hall of Fame, was drafted the year after the Cowboys last appeared in the NFC title game in Super Bowl. He literally was drafted, played his whole career, won a Super Bowl himself, retired, sat out the mandatory <laughs> waiting period, went into the Hall of Fame, has a son who's the best receiver in college football. Like all these things have happened like since they've last done it. And I, I love that M- Mike McCarthy has kind of like hardened the team to that. I don't know if you saw this story floating around. Um, in the lead up to this game, he, in, in a team meeting, showed the pictures, um, of the baby pictures of the Cowboys players who were alive the last time yeah. they won a road playoff game, the 92 NFC title game. And, and it was just kind of a funny thing. And he said, like, we're not responsible for the sins of the past. Like, and I think that's true. I, I think that the expectation is heavy for the Cowboys. It's just kind of the way it goes. Um, and so people will make a bigger deal about it if, if they do lose this game and, and whatever. But I, I mean, he, he is changing the culture. It's hard to turn a ship around 180 degrees. But but I do think we're seeing market improvement, certainly more than we've ever seen in any coach that, that has been here, you know, for the last quarter century. So I think it would be a grave mistake to move on from him, especially if you're going to do it and then pay a first-round pick to trade for Sean Payton. The only way I'm into, like, any change whatsoever is if there truly is, like, a, a, a culture change within the organization where they allow a coach to yeah. completely and totally run his ship if, if that's the case, so be it. I'm, I'm fine taking one step backward for the eventual steps forward. Uh, but I, I think that Mike McCarthy remains underrated. Yeah, I, I I think this is a great, and sorry, RJ, I think this is a great night to not have a dog in the fight because it could go a lot of different ways. I mean, you're, you're talking about storyline after storyline. We just mentioned all the Cowboy storylines on the other side. This could be the last game of the Brady Bucks run, which included a Super Bowl, a couple playoff trips. They wrote their own story down in, in Tampa. It may be the beginning of one last run if they're able to to get this win. I don't I don't think I think the Bucks could win the Super Bowl. And I don't think Brady is back in Tampa. Uh, and, you know, as weird as that is to say. And so uh, just a, a this this game, I understand, is only a wild game card game tonight. I know that not everyone loves Monday night and I, I get it. Man, I am juiced, and I think I speak for a lot of people about this. This is this is a, almost a game just because of the storylines and everything that goes into it. Brady, the best player ever 
it feels Super Bowl esque. And here we have it. It's beautiful on a on a Monday night. And um, I, I don't I don't care who wins, RJ. I really don't. There are a lot of stories. Like there are too many to, to go through. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but after the season opener in Tampa, now almost two years ago, um, the great game. Obviously, they they met in in AT and T Stadium this past season opener. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was a great game. And afterwards, Dak told Tom Brady, "We'll see you again." And that obviously yeah. did not happen last year. Um, but that this is it, right? Like, the, the, <laughs> like this is you. You wanted this, like you, you. The Cowboys are wearing their cursed blue jerseys. They're one in six in playoff games wearing their navy jerseys. Um, it's a Monday night, like you said. My, I do have a prediction in in for the game as a whole. This is going to be maybe the most watched non Super Bowl game of all time because I don't know that you know this. This game is on ESPN, ESPN two, ESPN plus, ABC. Like th- this game is going to be absorbed by millions and millions and millions and millions of people and so like that will lead to some sort of overreaction depending on the result who wins who loses obviously but it is going to like destroy any kind of playoff viewership record again for a non-super bowl i can't wait i can't <laughs> wait i'm happy that they you know like i said i, I don't think the monday night is exactly fair well, but well, give I, me, I love that i'm picking i'm picking the cowboys like right like i you know i'm i'm very yeah. well on record so give me your pick who wins lines two and a half just for full context once again yeah, yeah, I'm I'm gonna keep my 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 original pick, which was Brady at home. I think they they do it on the money line. Um, <laughs> I hope for your sake, RJ, I'm wrong about that. Uh, but I I don't know. I I think it's it's too too much of a hill for for Dallas to climb. I I would feel a lot better I think if it was in Dallas. But I think there's something about going to Tampa that that scares me for for Dak and the boys. They don't have a like massive home field advantage. Like that's a lot of Cowboys fans are oddly comforted by that. Like they sort of need to like feel mm-hmm. counted out you know what i mean um and yeah. just for the purpose of, of explaining everything um since you brought that up the possibility of dallas hosting the nfc championship game remains alive because yeah. the new york giants won on uh, it would take a giants or excuse me a cowboys win tonight and then cowboys and giants wins this weekend uh but that is tech, wouldn't that would be something <laughs> like that would that would that would be something uh wild and crazy there would be a lot I, th- I think there would be a lot of new yorkers heading down to dallas and i, I believe an interesting environment i believe that would be the first wild card team to ever host the conference championship game mm. um just because you you know previously you've never seen both wild cards uh yeah. make it that far now there are obviously three of them um all right rachel please grace us with your infallible presence uh, let us know the things that you liked that we said that we didn't say. But before that, let us know your thoughts on the weekend. And, of course, let us know who won MFW MVP, as well as your Cowboys Buccaneers pick. Por favor. I'll start with my pick for tonight. No surprise. I'm going with Tom Brady and the Bucks. I just I just can't, you know, go against Tom Brady. So sorry, RJ. Man. But I feel like Mike Evans. He's the GOAT. He's the GOAT. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. So oh, can, I, can I ask you both a question then yeah. uh, before you continue, Rachel? Sorry. If, they, if the Cowboys win... What does that what does that tell you? Like cause you're both sitting no, here whatever. like he's the goat. Like whatever. It's this, it's this insurmountable. Well, I know you're not saying like Bucks are gonna blow them out, but if they win, what like how yeah. impressive is that? That's yeah. I would like to ask you that before it maybe happens. I just it would be a little impressive, I guess. Yeah. Ha- it would be impressive, but they they've been more consistent, you know what I'm saying? When you look at them versus the Bucks. So I wouldn't really be surprised if the Cowboys win. I don't want right. them to win, but I wouldn't be surprised because they've been way more mm. consistent when it comes to like just the season in, in itself lately. Would you give him props for beating Brady in, uh, in a, in a, in a beating Brady way? Sure. I will just say this, Rachel, I know your, your Ravens are out and that bums you out, but the team you cover, Rachel yeah. lost a playoff game to Brady in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Pete, Pete mm-hmm. the team you cover lost a playoff game to Brady in Tampa Terrible. Bay. That was the game in the Super Bowl. So, yeah. you know, it's Cowboys turn. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Rachel, continue. Please. I guess, um, uh, Pete, you had hit on how it was a soul-crushing loss, soul-crushing moment. And for me, it was. I almost cried after that, Sam. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not crazy. Really it was really, really bad. So that was really, really disappointing to see. Um, the whiskey influencer made a comment. I'm trying to find it that I agree with 100%. RJ, you were talking about how, like, um, when you look at, I forgot what team we were talking about. This was. The Niners, you were saying like, oh, they could be like a sleeping giant. Don't really agree with that because I feel like they're all we already know. Yeah, I don't know about that point either. I don't think they're a sleeping giant. I think when you think of sleeping Mm. giants, I would say maybe like the Jags or maybe like the Giants. So that point, don't really agree with. They are a threat, just not a sleeping giant. It's a tough moment for me. Jeez. Right. Pete, I loved your comment on Trevor Lawrence. Um, (laughs) That was really, really good. And so... Yeah, today I'm going to give it to Pete. Yeah. Sorry, RJ. 
Wow. Um, Pete, the floor is yours. I'm doing the Michael Jordan uh, shrug <laughs> right now for everyone because I'm I'm not surprised by that. I, I thought I had a great show, especially after a wild card weekend. I didn't even include my team. So I, I, I just think that's even more impressive to, to do that on a week where you're not even involved. Uh, thanks to mom and dad, of course. Um, I mean, it's, uh, you gotta you gotta thank your parents first. Um, I will say this on the subject of Michael Jordan: love MJ, right? Who who doesn't? I I kind of hate the Last Dance in retrospect. Like it's been a few years yeah. at this point. Like it gave. You hate like, it. I hate I hate that we've done like we've over memed it. We've done the I took that personally too yeah. many times. Like the the meme of that. We also don't need any time anybody returns from something the I'm back facts. Like we we don't mm-hmm. need that anymore. Like it's been overdone. It's been overplayed. Let's find something new. That's <laughs> I like gripe with the the la- I know that the, the facts had nothing to do with the last dance, but like it exacerbated the issue. Like Michael Jordan was great. We don't have to copy that every single time something like this happens. So you won last week's uh, MF double double M, and uh, I did take that personally, and I came out with a strong show today. And uh, I'm happy to to take back my award. So thank you to Rachel. Final scores uh, for tonight, Rachel. Uh, I feel like that's going to be maybe a thirty seventeen. Whoa, Bucks. Pete. I like thirty three twenty seven Buccaneers. Okay. okay. I will go thirty four twenty six Cowboys. Wow. Okay. Uh, wow. I don't know if either of you know this. The Bucks wow. Stadium's Twitter, the Bucks Stadium is Raymond James Stadium. Their Twitter handle is at RJ Stadium. I mentioned that on the mixtape last week. I heard so. that, yeah. I heard wow. That. Uh, Pete, give us the sound of a buccaneer as we close out Monday Football Monday. Is a buccaneer a horse? Quick. What? What is a buccaneer? Oh, no, it's a pirate. Are you a serious? Pirate. Did you just ask us if a buccaneer was a horse? <laughs> it's a pirate. <laughs> Mighty. I can't believe you thought a buccaneer was a horse. Arr. Arr, arr.